Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Liquid Church. How's everybody doing tonight? So good to see you guys. I'm Pastor Tom and I want to basically I want to welcome you to part three of our series called Touch. This has been a series where we've been exploring some of the signs, wonders, and miracles of Jesus Christ as he's been walking through the New Testament. I gotta say this has been actually it's been really awesome because we were able to actually pray for people after each of these services and I mean after this last service that we had in Touch Part 2, folks were lining up, as you just heard, God's, you know, they, they wanted basically God's touch in a brand new way. In fact, we had one person who, um, he came up here with a chronic knee condition, uh, seeking healing. Another person actually came up with heart palpitations, looking for some sort of comfort. And we had a slew of folks that were suffering from all sorts of things like fear and anxiety and depression. And so, when you start to see this, you quickly begin to realize that all of us, all of us deep inside, we have this desire and we have this need to be touched by God, okay? And you know, it's, it's really amazing because Pastor Tim has been talking about how Jesus would go around from scene to scene and he would touch people and he, they would literally be healed in an instant. But the funny thing that I've always sort of asked myself was this, how does Jesus actually do that? Did he just sort of do it because he was God? I mean, because the reality is, when Jesus came to walk on this earth, he actually limited some of his omnipotent powers, right? He, he limited his, himself. So, so how is it that Jesus performed all these miracles? See, I think one of the scandals of Christianity is that we never talk about how although Jesus was perfectly God and man, he also demonstrated that what it was like to be a man who relied totally on the Holy Spirit. And, and that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that the ministry of Jesus was exactly what it was. So I think, I think this is an issue that we want to clarify here. We all want to come to a common understanding, this issue of the Holy Spirit, because like it or not, Truth be told, the Holy Spirit, for many of us, he's sort of like that crazy uncle. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know that uncle exists. He's always there. You don't deny his existence, but you also don't want to really talk about him or be near him or, or talk about him. You just kind of just deal with him, that sort of a thing. That's what the Holy Spirit sort of becomes in our lives. So I want to take a look today in the Bible. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 2? It's found on page 756 in your scriptures there. And because 
this is going to give us a really good understanding of who exactly the Holy Spirit is. And let me show you what I'm talking about. If you're taking notes tonight, uh, what you need to know is we're going to look at three specific aspects of the Holy Spirit. Three aspects. The first one is the promise of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus said and what it means for us today. Okay, the promise of the Holy Spirit. The second thing that we're going to look at is the power of the Holy Spirit. What does it actually look like when the Holy Spirit is working and alive and breathing in a fresh new way in your life? And the third and final thing is we're going to look at a practical step that you can take to experience more of God's power in your life. Again, those three things, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, and a practical step that you can make. And if you notice there, they all start with the letter P. I mean, this, this has got to be a Holy Ghost moment already, okay? So look with me here. First, the promise. You see, after Jesus, check this out. After Jesus shared the Last Supper with his followers, he was nailed to the cross. You know that, right? And this is something that he had prophesied way beforehand. And three days later, he was raised from the dead, also as he had promised. But then, but then, before he returns to heaven, he actually walks around on this earth again for 40 days and he teaches the disciples. I mean, did, did you ever stop to think about that? Uh, most people sort of gloss over that, but Jesus came back to life and spent over a month teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. Now think about it. If someone were to actually rise from the dead, <laughs> I mean, that is some news that you want to hear about. Whatever they have to say, you want to hear what it is that they've got going on. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we read this. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now just look at that word there, baptized, right? To, to be immersed, sort of saturated, drenched in this whole new way of living. Now, let's be honest, okay? The disciples, the disciples probably had no earthly idea what that meant to be baptized. They, they didn't know what to expect. I mean, it was like, like water going to fall from the heavens? Were they, uh, you know, expecting sort of some sort of rainstorm or something like that? But, but give them this. The disciples, even though they didn't know what to expect, they actually did wait. They waited. They believed Jesus and what he was saying. They believed that he wasn't bluffing and that he would actually make good on his promise. And I wonder, I just wonder how many of us believe that that's actually still true today. That God actually keeps his promises. That, that God's supernatural power and strength are available for us right now as it was over 2,000 years ago. I mean, if last week's service was any indication at all, we not only had dozens and dozens of folks walk right up, uh, right up here in desperate need of God's spirit, but what was especially powerful to me personally was to witness folks on our prayer team. Some of you actually volunteered. These people were laying on hands. They were praying for folks. I had this one couple. This couple's actually in my life group, and they were, they were part of the prayer team, and they said to me earlier today, they were saying how, you know what? That whole verse, Jesus wept, I never really understood that verse, but today I felt it. As these people were coming up to me, seeking prayer and wanting that fresh touch of the Spirit, 
I just started weeping for them. I started weeping for myself. I started craving more of Jesus in their lives. I mean, that was powerful. And you know something? The last thing that Jesus told his disciples was, wait for the gift my father promised. Wait. Now, if you're like me, you have this sort of bias for action. You want to get on top of things. Waiting is like one of the hardest things to do. I mean, even when it means you running ahead of God, but waiting and listening for God's complete instruction is foundational, foundational in any Christ follower's life. So I want to ask you a question right now. That question is this. Is there an area of your life where you are actually running ahead of God's plans? Because again, if you're like me, you're sometimes guilty of what Mark Batterson calls reverse Christianity. This is how he put it. Instead of following the Spirit, we invite the Spirit to follow us. Instead of serving God's purposes, we want Him to serve our purposes. The one results in self-absorbed spirituality that leaves us feeling empty. The other is to literally be so desperate to be a part of what God's eternal plan and purpose is that you're willing to wait for it. Hello, my name is Tom Kang, and I suffer from reverse Christianity. In fact, you know something? I've been a pastor now for over 10 years, and i got to say, I've oftentimes gotten it completely backwards, feeling like, you know, I sort of have to make things happen, right? i got to do this or i got to do that. I always have to have my game face on. Right? I always got to make sure that, that I'm talking to this person. When I talk to this person, I have to talk this way. When I talk to that person, I got to talk to I got to reach out to this one. I got to do just the right thing in just the right way. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. How can I forget? How can I forget? God, please bless whatever it is that I want to do today. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, confession time here. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's the truth. You start the day, you start the week, you have the best of intentions. I mean, your heart is set on God. You want to do things his way. You're, you're going to do things God's way, but then one thing just piles on top of another, and before you know it, you are doing everything your way, in your timing, with your own strength, and in your own wisdom. You're just constantly doing it all your way. I actually have a great example of this just, just very recently. You know, I spent the, the past eight days or so in Haiti with the, with the Haiti team, and we had a grand old time. But you know what? When I got back, I had over 500 emails in my inbox, and I was angry, right? I'm just like, oh, my gosh. You remember that, Janet? You saw. I mean, it was like the last thing. And so you got these 500 emails, and, and, you, you know, and, and our flight was delayed a day, so we're, we're behind already a day. And I come back on, into the office on Monday, and, you know, okay, you're going to plow you know, headstrong. You're going to get through these emails, all, all these meetings and all that stuff. And then, oh, yeah, we got this outreach happening on Saturday. And then Tuesday, I find out, okay, now i got to write the message, and i got to preach the message on Sunday. So, okay, you're getting through these emails, right? You, you've got a message to write during the week. You know that you're going to preach it on Sunday, but before that, you've got this outreach that's happening on Saturday. And I was kind of bitter, right? And it's just like all this work. And I'm just, I got to do all this stuff and all this stuff. But you know something? When the outreach ended on Saturday night and everyone had gone away, 
All the volunteers had gone. I was sitting there with about eight members from the Market Street Mission. Eight big guys. I mean, these, like, have you seen the Market Street Mission guys? They are big. I'm like this little pastor dude, and they're like big. And I'm just sitting, and they, you know what they wanted to do? They just wanted to break out in spontaneous worship. We're sitting there around this fire pit, around this campfire, and we're just praising God and, and praying and thanking him for, for what had just happened that day and, 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 and just God's spirit moving. And that humbled me so much. Got my priorities straight. Guys, I do not want to practice reverse Christianity and sort of run ahead of God's plans and do things on my own strength. Because here in Acts, you see people that are privileged to play a part in what God is actually doing. They were willing to wait on God and do something else. What was it? Verse 14, if you look there, verse 14 says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. So let me actually encourage you to do the same. If you're facing an important decision, or a difficult task. Don't just rush into it and, and do it yourself on your own strength and, and, and just you know, sort of rush into the work and hope that it all goes out the way that it should be. Instead, use your first step to actually tune in to the Spirit of God and ask for His power and guidance. See, that's what prayer, prayer actually is. Prayer is literally asking God to activate his power and divine wisdom in your life. Activation. That's actually a good word for what happens here in the book of Acts because honestly, I think that the disciples had no idea what to expect when Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to them. They had no idea. But to their credit, they actually waited and they spent that time praying together. And that is when the power of God was unleashed in a brand new way. So let's talk about this power here. And here's where it gets a little crazy. So hold on. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You need to understand that Pentecost was like their Thanksgiving. It was a celebration of the harvest. It was a festival in Jerusalem. And Jesus was crucified on Passover. And Pentecost happened about 50 days later after that. Verse 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Yeah, just, just don't gloss over that. This, this is, this is kind of crazy here. Because basically, the very first act of the Holy Spirit in the church was to set everybody's head on fire. Yeah, seriously, can, can you just imagine this happening in today's church? I mean, yeah, you know, sometimes we've got candles up here and you see that sort of thing, right? And yeah, I have been, I have been accused on certain occasions of using too much hair gel, but this is actually, this is intentional. This was no accident here. This was actually a holy moment. And this is something that actually has tremendous significance because fire, we need to understand, was something that was symbolized the purifying presence of God. 
A fire was a picture of God burning away the sinful elements in all of our lives so that our hearts can be aflame to actually ignite the lives of others around us. And it's significant that the fire separated and came to rest on each of them. Because did you know this? See, in the Old Testament on Mount Sinai, God sent fire from heaven to confirm the Old Testament law. The Israels, they, they followed this pillar of fire, right? The, the presence of God leading them. But here in Acts, here in the New Testament, what actually happens? The fire falls on each of the believers. Again, signifying that God's spirit will now be upon every single believer available to empower every man, woman, or child who trusts in Jesus Christ as Savior. Now that is a supernatural transfer of power. And the church has never been the same since. I mean, Imagine what that would be like if that happened right now. A violent, a violent wind filling this entire ballroom, right? And everyone's head catching on fire, right? Just imagine that. Some of you, I've seen some of you guys, when a fire alarm happens in this place, you get all excited. This would blow your tops, right? Verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, folks, this was not gibberish, okay? Tongues were actual, literal languages. Just look in your footnotes, right? See, at Pentecost, Jerusalem was packed with people from all sorts of distant lands. Other races and nationalities flooded into this city. And all of a sudden, when the Spirit shows up, the disciples suddenly begin, they begin speaking in other dialects. It says here, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Ay, Dios mío, que paso? Right? Again, imagine, just imagine this happening right now, like instantaneously. Just imagine if I just started just speaking in, in like Creole and Spanish and Long Island. Just imagine that, right? Violent wind, heads on fire, speaking in tongues, supernaturally speaking, communicating the gospel in a language that everyone could understand. There was nothing, there was nothing normal about any of this. This was a supernatural day in Christian history, and yet this is supposed to be the new normal. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I, I, I don't mean that people are supposed to just get up in here and start standing and speaking in Lady Gaga. That's not what I'm talking about, no, okay? God's Spirit always brings unity. The Bible says that spiritual gifts are used to serve the common good. It brings clarity to the gospel, not confusion. But what I am talking about is a fresh wind, the Spirit of God blowing in such a way that there's almost like this tangible, this tangible sense of His presence. Though we can't see it or touch it, we can feel it and sense that God's Spirit is here. Now, let me ask you, does that actually describe most church services today? Or do most church services today feel like a funeral? Very solemn, maybe even sad, 
Because the thing is, God's spirit is supposed to bring life. And so I often wonder, do people look at our church? Something that I've been wondering. Do, do people look at liquid, and because of our unity and clarity in communicating the gospel with power, do these people, do, do people looking on the outside in that liquid, do they say, oh man, those, those people, they're like, they're, they're on fire or something. I mean, they are just drenched in God's spirit. Maybe that's why they call it liquid, because they're so drenched. Or, or is it just... Is like everything we do and all that we're about, is it just perfectly humanly explainable? Because that's what it was for people in the Bible. In fact, check this out. This is hilarious. Uh, They give this human explanation for everything that's happening with the Holy Spirit here in verse 13. Verse 13, this is what some people said. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much what? Wine. Yeah, right. That, yeah, that's why they call it liquid, because everybody's drinking, right? That's, that, that's, what, that's the equivalent here. Peter responds in verse 15, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. In other words, guys, guys, it's 9 a.m. It's a little early for mojitos. Starbucks, yes. Guinness, no. See, Peter continues, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy or or they're going to preach and teach others about Christ. See, See, folks, the Bible says, That in the last days, which is just another way of saying from now on, from now on, this is the new normal. But is that what actually happens in our church today? Now, again, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that, that I'm, you know, it's not like I'm going to call you up here. I'm going to lay hands and say, you know, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. But... The new normal for God's people is supernatural power that can be seen in the life of every single believer. Men, women, young and old, a fire in the belly, the presence of God to, that is so unmistakable in our lives that people can't help but see Jesus and wonder to themselves, what in the world? has gotten a hold of that person right there. It must be God. Guys, does this like fire you up? Or are you just kind of like, oh man, I'm just kind of yawning it away? Because folks, here's the deal. It's right here. There was an unmistakable, you can tell that I handled these really well. <laughs> there was an unmistakable transfer of power in the lives of our early christian friends in the leadership of man to the leadership of god and there is supposed to be a transfer of that same power in our lives as well in other words receiving the holy spirit in your life means you don't run under like your own sort of power anymore the same power that resurrected jesus from the grave is actually now available for every single believer in here. 
that same transfer of power to fire the engine of your life in a brand new way, especially if you feel stuck or stalled or maybe even in the need of a jump start. Dude, I, I don't know. I think the battery's dead. I don't know anything about cars. Do you? Uh, to be honest with you, the only thing I know about cars is 1-800-AAA help. Now, the basic underlying assumption in life is that human beings are stranded and in need of rescue. We need help. We really need help. You know, I don't know what type of car Jesus drove or what kind of ride that he has, but I know this, that the Bible says that he sees us in our distress and then he comes to our rescue. See, the Christian life is all about a transfer of power. Although it's God the Father who forgives us of our sins because of His Son, Jesus Christ's sacrifice, it's actually the Holy Spirit who's sort of like a set of jumper cables, transferring the power of God into our life, into our dead batteries. All right, Christopher, crank her up, baby. Ready to go. You know, in the New Testament book of Acts, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to his believers. It was like this supercharged, this electricity of power was transformed into their dead lives. You know, Jesus actually said that when you you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the Greek word for, for power is dynamite. And so our language, is there's this explosion, this transfer of power from God's life literally into ours. Now that same transfer of power is available to all believers, no matter how stuck or stalled your life may seem. God's Spirit can literally jumpstart your life and set it in a brand new direction. All right. Okay, you guys all set, man? Yeah, no problem, dude. No problem, dude. Okay. All right, hey, whoa, whoa. Hey, guys. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, guys, guys. Story of my life. Anyways, how would you describe your spiritual battery right now, today? I mean, are, are you sort of running low? Are you, are you stalled out? Maybe you're stuck on the side of the road. Or maybe, maybe you feel like you're in cruise control. Everything's going fine. Everything's smooth in your life. You're going the speed limit. Nothing too crazy. You're in the right-hand lane. Or do you need a jump start by the Holy Spirit to put a fresh fire in your engine? You know, I I suspect that there are actually many of you, uh, like me, you read the book of Acts, and you're like, you know, what, is this this even possible? I I mean, the more the idea of God's Spirit uh, invading your life, you know, that that some of that is very exciting, but also it kind of makes you a little bit nervous, a little bit like, is that real? But guys, 
There is so much more that God has in store for each of us. See, more for every single Christian in here. In here. Jesus said this, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You heard Pastor Mike there talk about the Greek word dunamis, right? It's where we get our word dynamite. It's talking about this sort of explosive power. See, folks, when our lives are connected to the power of God, everything changes. Everything is different. When our lives are connected, our lives become supercharged. Jesus was like this. He was like, your new reality will actually be explosive, dunamis, dynamite, like a powder keg. Your life will spark with the power of Christ, and you will be changed, and so will the lives of those around you. And that's exactly what we see happen here in Acts chapter 2. It sparked. It it caught this fire. It fanned out all throughout Jerusalem to Asia, to Rome, to Africa. It spread like this huge wildfire. If you want a jump start this week, then I would recommend that you read the first seven chapters of Acts. Because in it, you're going to see something like this. You're going to see Peter give his first ever message, his first ever sermon And over 3,000 people accepted Christ and were baptized that afternoon. I mean, you're talking about the first ever megachurch, right? Uh, When you read the first couple chapters of Acts, you're also going to see people start living differently. There's there's a sort of radical generosity that breaks out all over the place. People start selling their, their possessions, their land, their homes. They had a reverse offering, okay? These days, you know, we have like Occupy Wall Street. That's the closest that we get, right? Acts chapter 4, verse 34 said this, there were no needy persons among them. In other words, they wiped out poverty. I mean, that is supernatural, right? I mean, what kind of church actually does this? You know, what, what kind of person actually says, hey, you know what? You know what? Here are the keys to my Beamer. Go ahead. Just, just go ahead and sell it. Take the money and give it to the poor. Give it, give it to someone who doesn't have a job and, and use it to help others. I mean, this was absolutely crazy. As a matter of fact, you know, persecution broke out during this time against the church. And this guy named Stephen, he was actually stoned to death. And instead of the movement sort of settling down and people getting scared and and just sort of quieting, quieting down and not saying anything about Jesus. No, 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 no. It actually blew up. The gospel actually caught even more on fire across the region. Acts chapter 8 says this, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Generosity, supernatural strength, a fire in the belly, boldness to proclaim the gospel. Jesus doesn't, he didn't just give the Holy Spirit to start like this sort of institution within four walls, you know, a a place where people could go for an hour or two every Sunday. That's not what Jesus was about. He actually came to ignite a movement that would literally change the face of this earth. And you know something? His message was crystal clear. In case you missed it, it's very simple. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Even that verse, 
I mean, I realize so many times I miss the point of that verse. Repent and be baptized. The word repent is the Greek word metanoia. Meta means change. Noia means knowledge. It means to change your mind. When you repent, you're supposed to change your mind about things, about the way that you're living. When you repent, you're supposed to, it's like an about face. You're turning a new direction. You're saying, you know what? The life I'm living is anything but God-centered. It's actually all about me. And that's what sin is at its core. It's selfishness, trying to do life your own way, according to your own rules and your own strength and power instead of God's. And this is why Jesus comes, to show us that it can actually be different that we can get our power source from him. See, he died on the cross to reconnect us to God, to the love and power of our heavenly father, and to transfer brand new power into our dead life, into our dead batteries. Peter said, you put him to death by nailing him to the cross, verse 23, but God has raised this Jesus to life and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. You see, Jesus died, folks. He died for one reason, to take our sin onto himself. He he died in our place. And then he was raised to transfer his power into our dead life. It's like this incredible swap. Our sin for his power and his life. And the Bible is clear. Anyone who says, Jesus, be my savior, forgive my sins, bring me to life, gets a brand new start. God jumpstarts the dead life in that person by his spirit. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Life can be different. You can walk out of here with the life of God inside of you. It's not our doing. Jesus was the gift. He can can literally fill every broken life. And the promise is still good today, just as it was 2,000 years ago. So the question becomes, how do you actually activate this? Scripture says, repent and be, what's the word? Baptized. Baptized. Every one of you. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Folks, your first step is to metanoia, is to to change your knowledge, is to change your mind, and yet go a different direction. But the second step, the second step is this. Be baptized, every one of you. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, that is one practical step that you can make to get baptized in this church. Actually, very soon, November 20th. Some of you have never actually taken that step of of publicly identifying your faith in Christ. And that's one of the reasons you actually may have a power outage. You see, from the beginning, baptism has been God's chosen symbol to catalyze the holy spirit's power in the life of every single believer and let me tell you something if you've ever witnessed a baptism service here at liquid church then you know i don't have to tell you you know it is one of the most moving things to see lives changed by the power of god i mean you're talking about people that suffer from all sorts of anxieties and depressions and challenges and addictions and heartaches and pain. And you see these people turn from all that to the presence 
and power of God. I'm 24 years old. I cut for seven years. Ever since I was really young, um, I was just completely plagued by anxiety. I've always been a perfectionist and I went through my entire life not wanting to disappoint my parents. So by the time I was 15 or 16, um, I was just so overwhelmed with anxiety at all times that I started cutting. I literally thought that my brain was hardwired. I know it sounds crazy, but I thought my brain was hardwired in a different way. Anything that happened in my life or in the world around me really affected me. I didn't really know how to release all of that, and so that's why I cut for so many years. But now, I feel like God actually gave me those flaws or those weaknesses for a reason, and He's just been waiting for me to turn them around and make them a strength. So now I feel like God has redeemed me and he's made me new. He doesn't want me to be perfect. And the reason he made me so sensitive was so he could break my heart for what breaks his. The baptism is going to mark the change in my life where I stop feeling my sensitivity and my emotions as a crutch or a weakness. And um, I start seeing them as a weapon. Guys, did you hear what my friend Kristen just said there? She said that through baptism, God was taking her weaknesses and turning them into what? Did you hear what she said? Weapons. God was taking her weaknesses and turning them into weapons. That is the power of God. Folks, let's, let's read God's word together here. Repent and be baptize every one of you. And what happens? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Folks, do you want to experience more of God's Spirit? Do you actually want to go deeper? Then if you haven't, you need to be baptized this fall. Why? Because from the beginning, baptism has been the catalyst to new life in Christ. Jesus himself Jesus himself was baptized. He actually went down into the Jordan River, and when he came out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. I mean, read Matthew, read John chapter 1, and from that moment on, Jesus was empowered for ministry. It was just like a next-level moment in his mission to a broken world. And baptism today still remains one of those defining moments when God pours out his spirit in a unique, unique way into our lives. Something, something internal happens when you go into the water to proclaim your faith in Jesus for new life. I mean, I can tell you as a pastor who's been in that tub and who's had the privilege and pleasure of baptizing some of you here right now and, and, and just speaking as a pastor... I don't know what it is, but when I, when I see these people come up, gosh, you, just, you can just see God is doing something in their lives, and they've been touched by the Spirit of God. I, I don't think, just think it's the water. I think it's that step of obedience that God honors. Repent and be baptized. You are washed clean, made new, saturated by the Spirit. And honestly, so many people... So many people here at Liquid uh, who get baptized describe this sort of spiritual high following it. 
And it's more, again, it's more than the chilly water, okay? Baptism is always linked to the sort of activation of God's spirit in your life in a new way. You see, folks, sometimes, sometimes fire begins with water. Sometimes that's true. So if you're ready to ignite your relationship with God, folks, do what he says. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise. You know something, signing up for for baptisms, that's so easy. Uh, You can go online, you can go out those doors, you can pick up a blue bag, it's got a CD message in there, it's got more information, you can talk to me, you can talk to any one of the pastors, but you need to do that November 20th. I'm actually praying for this incredible, just this outpouring of God's spirit on that day. And again, I don't want to be a part of a church where everything is just like so explainable, you know? I mean, yeah, I I get that we've got a good thing going here. I love Liquid Church. I I know that God's called me here to Liquid Church. There's no denying that. But sometimes, I've got to be honest, sometimes I, I, I sort of look around at everything that's going on and I think, you know, what part of this, what part of this is unexplainable? What part of this is supernatural? Meaning what part is, is truly evidence of God's spirit doing stuff beyond the scope of the sum of our talents, the sum of our efforts, the sum of our abilities and, and plans? You know, in, in his book, Forgotten God, Francis Chan, he, he wrote this book about the Holy Spirit, and he wrote this. He said, let's be honest. If you combine a charismatic speaker, which we have, talking about Pastor Tim, A talented worship band, which we have every week. And some hip, creative events. People will attend your church. Yet this does not mean that the Holy Spirit of God is actively working and moving in the lives of the people who are coming. It simply means that you have created a space that is appealing enough to draw people in for an hour or two on Sundays, end quote. How much of what happens in our church, in our little circle here, is explainable in human terms? Like, you know, the the world sort of looks at everything and says, oh, yeah, you know, wow, that's great. 2,000 people, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good, huh? Yeah, that's about right. You know, you got a good band going. They're really loud and talented. Tim's like a really funny guy. I get I'm, I'm so engaged when he speaks, you know. Your website is just awesome, you know, it rocks. It's not like my grandma's church, you know. You got sweet outreaches, all that stuff. People really like that. I I, I see why people come to Liquid. You know, that's about par for the course. I get it. Again, that's the superficial side of the spirituality. We, We gauge spiritual success by the size of the crowd, what's happening sort of above the line, what people can see. But God, God isn't always interested in those same numbers, See, for God, when it comes to his bride, he cares more about faithfulness than he does about size. He he cares about whether people are actually obedient to him, truly desperate for his power in their lives. I mean, I, I don't want people to look at liquid. I would hate for people to look at liquid two, three, four years from now and be like, wow, you know, 5,000 people, 10,000 people? 
Ooh, wow, you got great strategy, guys. I'd hate for that to happen. This is superficial stuff. We want to see supernatural evidence that the Spirit of God is in us and that lives are being changed. Marriages are coming back together. People are falling crazy in love with Jesus. That's our heart. That's what we really want. And none of that, none of that can happen without the fire, the power of God. Folks, the fire of God needs to fall. And for some of you today, maybe today's your day. Maybe God needs to jumpstart your heart, jumpstart your life in a brand new way with his Holy Spirit. And maybe you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe for some of you, Maybe you need to be baptized. That's a huge step that you've been putting off for a long time now. And the question is, why in the world would you wait any longer? Why in the world would you go on living with a dead battery? Folks, sign up as soon as you can. As soon as you leave here, November 20th, I'm actually going to pray for scores and scores of people, unexplainable amounts, to be baptized here at Liquid Church. I want to see God's spirit move, don't you? Amen. Let's pray. Let's ask him to send his fire to this place. Heavenly Father, I just, uh, I want to pray actually the, the, what the Apostle Paul said. He said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the spirit's power, with a demonstration of the spirit's power so that our faith might not rest on man's wisdom but on God's power. I claim those words of Paul right now. Lord, and I ask for your power in a fresh way in the lives of your people, in the lives of this church right now, God. Uh, For any of those who who are here and maybe they've not yet taken that step, that, that, that baby step of obedience. Maybe they've accepted you Uh, your son as their Lord and Savior, but they've not yet been baptized, I pray that even right now you would work in their hearts. And even right now, you would encourage them to not fear and to take that step of obedience and be baptized, Lord, that they would no longer delay. No more delay, God. Maybe we're sitting here and we already have been baptized. We've done that, but we, we need a fresh wind to blow in our lives. We need a We need a spark in our lives. Well, then, God, I know that you can do that too. I pray that you would meet that person as well right now. Lord, send your fire in our lives, not for our own sake, but for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com. Or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.